And welcome, rugby fans, of course, to the familiar favorite here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A quick reminder, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, alongside my colleagues, of course, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. We are the Rugby Rant Podcast team. And what are we talking about? Well, it has become familiar to our fans on season three as we have introduced this new piece that has become very popular, gentlemen, when what we call the Around the Pitch News from Across the League. So... So, here's how it works. Quick fire round. We go one by one across the screen, sharing what we think is noteworthy that fans should pay attention to. And we, of course, want to bring it to you as quickly as we can, because here on the Rugby Rant, we don't waste time. So, (laughs) with all that being said, let's go ahead and start it off with Rob Hammerschmidt. What's in the news? What's around the pitch? Well, I would like to throw a big shout out. D1A Rugby really kicked it into high gear this last weekend. A lot of teams were on the pitch uh, competing. Uh, I believe there was a big one uh, out west. Um, BYU played a a big match. It might have been against St. Mary's. Um, But here's what I do know. Lindenwood University traveled to Marietta, Georgia and played Life University. We're talking about number two Life, number five Lindenwood. And... My Linwood Lions uh, came out victorious in the uh, first 15 match. Uh, they won 27 to 16. Uh, it was a great game. It really had the look and feel of a, of a, a proper rugby match in terms of uh, the attempt to go for touch, uh, when we're going to kick for points. So I really liked that uh, about it. And also the Linwood seconds, which my um, progeny, played in that game they won 27 to 4 so it was a big win for the lions and i believe the lions have won two of the last three from life university so i'd like to i'd like to hear that kudos there and for those of you not familiar life university um has been accredited as bringing a lot of strength to rugby atl of course it was their home until recently uh and lindenwood of course uh is 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 certainly one of those powerhouses in rugby and great to be able to see uh, a team that it should actually be the underdog in that scenario, really, on, on paper at least, so coming out on top. Great stuff. Thanks for that share. College rugby, of course, important to growing rugby across the nation. So thanks for that highlight there, Rob. Scott, what have you got to share in there around the pitch? Let's get hot, baby. So before I do my topic, I just want to shout out a fan of the, the rugby rant, uh, Colton Juarez at the Soccer Lager Brewery in Abilene, Texas. A bunch of my buddies uh, live in Texas. They went out to the brewery. Uh, Colton was talking about not only rugby in America, but he was talking about the rugby rant and specifically referenced the big guy, which my friends were like, holy crap, we know Scott personally. So shout out to Colton. Um, What I want to talk about um, is actually the MLR production uh, team. um, Again, not finding touch, in my opinion, with some of the things they're doing, specifically the fact that they put up a graphic at the halftime of the New York-Houston match that said, uh, the out-of-town scores, and it was San Diego Legion versus the Dallas Jackets. Um, you know, I don't know if an executive auto-corrected and sent a text to an intern to do this graphic, and the intern didn't know which teams are in the league. I don't know who approved it. I don't know how it got on air. But I got to be honest, guys, this kind of bullshit has to end. I mean, it's every season. This, this We don't look professional. This is season five. This is the second time with TRN. You know, some somebody's feet have to be held for the fire for this because it's just a bad look. Right. I mean, well, unfortunately, it's always uh, Dallas that kind of gets the raw deal, though, there. Um, the Dallas Jackets, you've heard it, now competing for the MLR Shield. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. All right. Yeah, that's just one of those things that could be easily avoided and it really shouldn't creep in. You know, you can you can forgive many things, but that one is pretty much unforgivable. Yeah. I think most people would agree. Um, so one of the things that I want to be able to bring uh, to importance is the AGs who seem to be pretty much on fire right now having started really strong this season top of their conference after two matches getting maximum points 10 points available to them uh, in the regular season so far and they've taken all of those 10 points but in their way to the top uh, they have 
just revealed that they had what they consider to be a record-breaking, franchise record-breaking opportunities. Uh, so let me tell you about some of those. So first up, AG's re franchise records broken over the last uh, weekend was a historic win of 57-12 to 12 win of Old Glory DC to take the Cuisine Cup. That is the largest margin of win that they have had to date uh, of 40, uh, highest points uh, win margin of 45 points previous to that was uh 36 so they certainly smashed that then the final one is the fastest try scored in the history of the franchise by mark o'keefe recently brought in from rugby atl of course to be able to help them with their uh their effectiveness on the field and put more points on the board one of the criticisms uh he managed to be able to score a try in the opening uh seconds of the match in fact 28 seconds of play before the first points were scored by the AGs against OGDC. And I think at that point, you know, as an OGDC fan, it was going to be a long day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rob, what do you have to share? Well, as of tonight, when we're actually filming, it is in fact Valentine's Day. And I want to throw a shout out to my wonderful wife, uh, Jenny, who is always thinking of me. And she made me this delightful sign for the show. It's the run, passer kick sign. Um, so thank you very much, honey. I appreciate it. It was a very thoughtful gift. So I, I thought she deserved a shout out for all the nights that I'm giving up, uh, not spending time with, with her while she's watching, ironically, The Bachelorette. Yeah. So <laughs> while you're watching rugby, she's watching The Bachelorette. It's great, right? So it works out just fine. Uh, so we, you can get that online for $99.99, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just shy of a hundred dollars. Absolutely. We'll send it and get fresh and everything. I'll even All throw right. shipping. I like it. I love it. You know, that's a, I mean, every, every rugby fan, uh, you know, needs to be able to have uh, somebody like that who supports them too. I mean, my, my wife, I, when I have to tell her that there's five games of rugby, she's like, pick one. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you get. So kudos. Uh, Scott, what have you got to share as your next piece? So my second topic comes from our boy James Dealey, who's uh, at MLR Stats. Um, after scoring both tries and all 10 points in uh, Rugby New York's grueling 10-7 away win over Houston, Ed Fidel became the third player in Major League Rugby history to score 100% of a team's points in a winning game and the only non-place kicker to do it. The other two guys, Dan Hollinshead for Rooney and Sam Windsor for Houston, who's now on New York. Um, so a great day for Ed Fidal, two powering runs to, to, for Rooney to really sneak out a win against Houston. And most importantly, I think we have our first uh, fan song about a player. Uh, shout out to Rob Royarty, who was at the Pig and Whistle. And now we got Ed Fidal, do, 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 Ed Fidal, do, 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 Ed Fidal, do, 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 Ed Fidal. Hell yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it very much so. So the next piece that I want to be adding, the final piece for this Around the Pitch segment, which is new. And of course, if you like what this, let us know. You can drop a comment on our social media by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Tell us that you like it. Tell us what you think was noteworthy that we should be paying attention to as we continue moving forward into further episodes. But the last piece that I want to be able to share, continuing on that train that I've been talking about, Rugby ATL, their transition from last season to this season, what came to be was initially Initially, quite a shock that uh, the GM and, of course, head coach Scott Lawrence made his sudden exit from the uh, rugby ATL. And the question mark was left behind. What is next for him? That question is now being answered as it has been revealed that he has been picked up uh, by USA Eagles under the, uh, the coaching of, of course, Gary Gold, who has previously worked with Scott Lawrence in the defensive coaching role, which he will now take up again. Previously had done that, I think, back in the 2017-2018 season. So his return to the USA Eagles is very timely as they are preparing for their Rugby World Cup qualifying campaign. It was underwhelming last season. We did cover it. We'll continue to cover it this season, right, guys? Um, and the next big challenge that they have is to be able to take on Chile uh, this summer. And, of course, he's going to be there as a part of that outfit to make sure that they successfully navigate the challenges ahead of them uh, to qualify for the next Rugby World Cup because that's what it's got to be about. If we're going to get better, we got to make sure we continue playing better and meet higher levels of success, and that certainly includes a Rugby World Cup campaign. And we wish Scott Lawrence well on that endeavor, and whatever he does, I'm sure he'll be successful in.
So once again, you have been watching Around the Pitch, and we will be back in just a few moments. But before then, here's a few words from some of our sponsors. <clears throat> Tidehead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers, but it is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tidehead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the Metra. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tidehead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for the rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewer's name. Tidehead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tidehead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or a dark barrel-aged brew, Tidehead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tidehead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tidehead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans. Of course, this is your team from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga. Joining me, of course, we've got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. But more importantly, we have to be able to introduce our new ranter to be able to take on the regulars here of the show. We welcome TJ Olson from the Bonus Point Podcast. TJ, welcome to the show. Boys, it's been a while, but I'm very happy to be back on the show. Obviously, big fan, listen to it every week. I'm, I'm glad you guys are still doing so much for the sport of rugby, especially in, in Northern America. So, yeah, thanks for having me, boys. So we just brought him on just for the publicity piece. <laughs> <That's right. yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs advertising when you got a voice like that, you know, the guys in your corner? DJ. Thank you, TJ. Your residual will be in the mail, my friend. Can't, I can't <laughs> wait, man. Yeah, my, my, two, my two cents. I can't wait for that in the check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, TJ, I'm sure it goes without saying, you know how it works, but an opportunity to be able to remind everybody else who might be tuning in for the first time, what is is the rugby rant and how does it work in the debate section well Well, quite simply, we pick a topic chosen by you as our fans, and we listen into the chatter on social media, what's hot topic, and this week, it is a pretty interesting one, gentlemen, as a lot of people have been discussing the merits behind having a weeknight rugby match in Major League Rugby, whether it's a good idea, whether it has a conflict with other schedules, whether it's impossible to be able to draw crowds to a Thursday night game or otherwise, that could, of course, affect the turnout, the gameplay, the scheduling, and in some cases, the welfare of players too. So we're going to be diving deep into talking about this, where every one of our ranters here between Rob, Scott, and TJ will have an opportunity to be able to tell us what they think is important about this topic and why they think it might be a good idea, bad idea, whatever it may be. It is their rant and their time. And each of them has the allotted time of only two minutes and we'll try and keep them under that or they could be penalized. Moving into first position as our first ranter, will he be there at the end? We always hand it over to the guest. TJ, you're up first. All right, so I've gone really deep into this. I, I know you look at football that has Thursday night football, and you, you see other sports that have weeknight games. But to, to be honest, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Thursday night matches for a couple of reasons. I think the quality of the game may be impacted because of the teams maybe having little time to recover, depending on um, different situations for injuries or just just regular recovery as a rugby player. It's it's, it's a really tough sport to play, obviously. Um, preparation for the opponent, you've got to do film sessions. You've got, you got to do specific training to prepare for different types of aspects that they're going to, they're going to swing at you as, as a player. And I think with the little recovery, little preparation that adds sloppy plays and, and could even result in injuries or just like misreads and things like that. The, the second point that I look at is, is the schedule. So I, obviously we've only seen one game so far during this season, but the schedule could also be in favor of a particular team who has a longer recovery time. Um, even worse, if they're coming off a bye week or something like that, if do they have more time to prepare or, or even just rest? And I think the matchups on the Saturdays, they're very entertaining because you see both teams usually at their best or as, as best as they can. But then, 
if you have a team that's really, really struggling, it could turn into a one-sided blowout, even if you're a really top high contender. Um, the last reason I really feel f- from a fan's perspective, it's obviously really good to have live rugby during the week. Like you can have a, watch a game on Thursday, you can watch a game on Friday, and then on Saturday and Sunday, you've got your games as well. But it's it's really tough, and I, I feel for the MLR, they're pushing for fans to attend games. And, and the last thing you want to see in a stadium is an empty stadium because people can't travel, especially if you're in an uh, area that's very far away. You travel an hour to go support your team. You don't want to see 10 fans in the stands supporting it. So I think people won't make those sacrifices that they would on a weeknight as opposed to a weekend. So, yeah, I think, I think we keep it mostly on Saturday, and we've got replays and stuff like that on the rugby network. So... I think I think that's the best way to go. We just stick it with the weekends and then Saturdays are for the boys. So to sum it up from TJ, Saturday is always going to be a rugby day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I do like a couple of things that you said there, for sure. Well, a lot of it was gold, but let's draw out some of the most important factors there. At one, you spoke about the turnaround time but that some teams may end up having an advantage and some teams may also be at a disadvantage given where it may have fallen in their calendar that they had to play. And what brought this into the forefront through social media and why we kind of found it a hot topic as it spread across uh, uh, you know, all the rugby realms like wildfire is with the example of last week Thursday's match at uh, Starfire Stadium with Seattle and Utah competing for uh, you know, an MLR uh, regular season match. And it was on a Thursday, which has been the first time to, to the best of my knowledge that we've seen it, uh, at least at Starfire. I might be wrong. And it might be the only time this season, but it brought up a lot of interesting points about the merits behind it. And that's why we're discussing it. And to your point, though, uh, TJ, uh, the last match that Seattle uh, had played was the previous Sunday, which is February 6th. And then February 10th, they were going to be playing against Utah. So really, if you look at it, you take the game days out. There was only a three-day period where there was no rugby for the, no rugby. Uh, matches for them mm-hmm. but obviously we know rugby players at that level need to be able to look at that game tape as you said need to recover need to do all of that to prepare for the next day so you know begs the question is that a smart move so i like yeah. that you brought that up and i'm not going to dive much farther into it because i'm pretty sure the rest of the guys here have more to be able to share so i'm going to throw it over to scott the big guy ferrara so we're still cooking with fire here and here's the thing um i like the concept of weekend games but i think um, you have talking about scheduling. It's not going to work unless you have an even amount of teams because you need the two teams on the bye week to then come and say uh, uh, New England and New York had the bye week on on the week one. Week two, they're playing a Friday night game, right? So that way they had the the same amount of time and the extended period to say well, they're going to play a night earlier. I don't think I don't think it's as big of a deal if you're playing a Saturday to a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're playing Sunday to a Friday, it's again that's 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 Saturday to Thursday territory. I think really you have to read coming off a of bye week. The other thing is, you know, viewership. Let's just talk about Monday Night Football, you know, 13.5 million viewers, but we're not there yet. And when they play on the West Coast on Monday night, it's still at 8.30. What we had, Starfire, was a 10.30 Eastern start time because the fans can't make it there earlier. People are working. You know, you need to have that game at 7, 7.30 on the West Coast, and you want that stadium filled like TJ said. But, you know, for me as a, as a, as a fan in New York, I wasn't staying up to watch that match. Unfortunately, I had to wait for the replay. And I think that takes away from it, you know, versus where they are in football. Now, um, as far as I think we got to stick to Fridays, I think mostly it should be split between Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, when we have Saturday heavy matches, you know, and it's five matches on a Saturday, that's a lot of rugby to try and watch, especially if you're having a one o'clock, a two o'clock, a three o'clock, a four o'clock. It's more rugby than my wife to watch. So I think, I think it's more of, I think it's more of splitting up between Saturdays and Sundays and having one match on a Friday night of the two teams who were just on a bye week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, so I want to, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. So one of the key themes there is, is attendance and viewership that I took away from, from, from your uh, point there, Scott. So, yeah, I like that you said as a New York fan, you're not going to stay up until 10.30 to be able to enjoy a, a game. That and, don't, and don't get me wrong. And yet influence your conference. That was and, that's and, the point I was And guess what? Play. On Saturday, I watched the replay because obviously I'm watching every match in the MLR. But right. let's talk about the average fan, not the stupid rugby nose that me, Rob, TJ. Yeah, not, not us. Not but, us. That yeah, we're that, watching that, every, every game. We're analyzing everything. Yeah, exactly. And, and we need to get those crossover fans from the NHL, right. from the MFL, from the NBA, from the MLB to watch it. And I think that's where you're going to have a disconnect in that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and you know, those are really, really valid points that you bring up there because those are some of the key metrics of success for MLIs that continue to be able to move forward. It was from last season, which they cited as an incredible success with the introduction of the rugby network. And then, of course, the expanding broad- uh, broadcast partnerships. Now they'd have to be able to build on that success. And is this something that would help or hurt them? So I love that logic there, the reasoning behind it that you shared. Let's hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt. So. First of all, I want to commend um, both my colleagues over here because they think they brought up some great points. Uh, let me get, going third is a disadvantage. No, no, no. Oh, I, 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 I always feel Rob gets I'm the bad end of the stick. Sure. Like he's, he's, he always seems to be going third, and I'm always feeling for that's the right. dude on that's, it. And I'm like, thank man. you, thank you, TJ. Your residual is in the mail, my friend. So, so I'm going to lay it all out there. Initially, I'm thinking to myself, Thursday games, games, great. I can watch a game on Thursday or Friday. I can watch a couple games on Saturday, one or two games on Saturday. I can watch a game on Sunday. I can take in four games over the weekend. And then uh, something came flying at me from someplace deep in the recesses of my home, and it hit me square in the head. I believe it was a, <laughs> a, 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 a like a kneading a, a dough a, a dough roller or something rolling like that. Rolling pin? Yeah, rolling pin, exactly. And, and, and I realized what, the truth is, is that I'm not going to be able to do that on a Friday night. That's I do feel you pay. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, literally. It's date night, and I'm not watching a game on Friday night. I'm probably not going to watch what a Valentine's on weekend and including yeah. Super Bowl. Right. As late as that one was at, on Thursday this last week. Um, so, the, so the reality for me is I think about it like, what are the disadvantages? And one of them is my super brew picks. I'm like flustered to get them in. I set my super brew picks up for Thursday, like a week prior, just to make sure I got it. I in have because to I admit, it was I forgot to put in the Thursday yeah. pick. I was totally I put burned a by thing it. in the fan zone that says, "Don't forget to put yeah. your picks in, you jerks." Thanks. For- yeah. Who runs the fan zone, by the way? Oh, never mind. Yeah, um, I have so- no excuse. <laughs> I didn't say I have an excuse. I'm admitting it was yeah, a right. dumbass move, and I automatically disqualified myself from having any opportunity to do well. Six for six, by the way. So. <laughs> so so, so I, I think, think that's, that's the reality is that I, in a lot of ways, we're not going to be able to watch, uh, you know, f- you know, match on Thursday or Friday night, sa- you know, a couple on Saturday and Sunday. Um, the reality is we're probably going to w- catch it when we can, like I do wake up before my wife does and I watch it early on Sunday morning. Um, and I think it's a disadvantage for some teams. Um, you know, they haven't put out rosters in preparation. I don't think we got Seattle's roster prior to the game, which is unfortunate. You kind of want to preview who's going to be in the mix for both mm-hmm. teams just to kind of get an idea aside from Super Bowl, just who's who's on the pitch. Um, and uh, quite frankly, from a fan perspective, last point here, you know, we've seen that weather, time in which the game is going to happen or a match is going to happen. And, and Nola, if Mardi Gras is going on, all those things affect fans showing up. And um, I think Thursday night is probably one of those times you're going to get rarely get to get good turnout. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like everybody here is more or less on the same page that in, in a culture where rugby isn't yet established in the in the greater sporting community, you know, you don't want as little as possible to stand in the way of a, of a fan attending or watching an event. Any obstruction, any distraction could be a difficult one uh, that could certainly make a huge impact. Even if it's only a couple of thousand people, it makes a massive impact. So one of the things I did like to be able to avoid that that impact or limit the uh, the impact somewhat is at least you can say with this instance, with the Seattle-Utah game, having had a Thursday match, at least meant that there, there wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't conflicting with, with Super Bowl uh, uh, Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. Which arguably is the largest uh, viewing uh, sporting event in the U.S. and maybe North America as a whole. So, yeah, you definitely want to try and avoid that. But is it a model to be able to base, uh, uh, you know, this on for the future? That's a much bigger and difficult question to answer. What I, I for me, my takeaways are, and I agree with a lot of them, is that that turnaround time for, for Seattle in particular from a Sunday to a Thursday match is rough. Uh, but they managed to be able to deliver a result too. Could they do it consistently? Probably not. But at this time, you know, at least they did. It also bodes uh, well to to your point, Rob, is that you don't have time to be able to assess the players. And probably they couldn't put out a roster because they might not have known who would have been ready in three days. Yeah, right. And and by by the way, you know, thinking about Thursday nights, um, I wonder if the MLR purposely picked 
those two teams for that Thursday night match because you know with the crowds they get at Starfire that they're probably right. going to have a pretty good crowd regardless. And Utah's fans are pretty – I mean, they have one of the best fan bases that attend. Well, and they're close to the same time zone. So yeah. right. the 7.30 match for, right. for Seattle, I believe, is an 8.30 match, I believe, for right. Utah. You know, they yeah. would know better than me. But, yeah. you know, so so you'll get that crossover. So they, I, I get they're thinking about the West Coast fans for the West Coast teams, and that's great. But I think there will be a turning point as the league gets bigger. We'll have to kind of even out on, right. on the, the broadcast side. But here's the thing, Rob. I question – uh, your dedication to the sport because the big guy and his wife Saturday night Valentine's Day dinner at the Pig and Whistle to watch Rooney beat Houston. So what are you doing, Rob? <laughs> uh, what am I doing? I was this Saturday. I was coming back from DeKalb of all places from a sectional wrestling meet, so I didn't get to watch shit. <laughs> I was I was the same. I had to sacrifice my Saturday as well because I knew the Super Bowl on Sunday and me being. Hung over on the Monday because we celebrated too hard for right. the win. So you were I both cheating on rugby, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you said I it, win the, the Super Bowl is the biggest sports spectacle in, in North America. I have to watch it. I've been watching it every year since I was a little kid, so I had to watch that. But rugby always comes number one for me. And in my defense, I actually make money from coaching, so I. Who friggin' who? Who friggin' no? But but my point is, I see. I like yeah. I said before, I see why they did the, that particular Thursday night game with those two teams. If they did it with an East Coast team on, uh, you know, it would, out west, it wouldn't be fair, and vice versa. Or even Central Time, it's a little tough because you're talking about nine thirty match. You know, if Nola went out there, it's kind of tough. Mm-hmm. But again, I think at some point, if we're going to have aspirations of being like the Big Four, we have to figure out. How to do it, and because the because the NFL has you know thirty teams, they can do that because you can have four teams on a bye week. I think we will get there eventually, but I, like I said, spread out between Saturday, Sunday, and if you're, the teams are coming off the bye week, that's what you make the Friday night game, and you and you 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 have to advertise yeah. it more too. Yeah. Like I feel like if you're going to singular sing, have a singular match, regardless of who's in it. It should be all over MLR. It should be all over TRN. And I feel like right, give it every opportunity to be yeah. successful. That should I be something like they're social- building towards for the whole whole season. Like this right. is going to be yeah. our marquee yeah. matchup on the Friday. I hundred percent something special. Exactly. Yeah. This you know, season presented that way because when you hear the friggin' Sunday night football theme and you hear the Monday night football theme and you hear the Thursday night football theme, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. you know what I mean, <laughs> everybody knows it. So let's let's start to to market it that way too. Right. It, it's that, another great way that you can expand like the viewership, and, and if it works, you. Might actually be in a better position by choosing a sort of a lesser competition night. Um, and obviously, yes, in season for football, Thursday night is obviously football, but this is not conflicting. That's done. You know, by this stage in the season, if it stays to the same schedule, that opens a great window there yeah. that if you did market it properly, like you said, which by the way, bonus point for, for Scott is turn it, turn something that could be lemons into lemonade, right? Um, so I'm going to throw out something here and I've got a couple of comments and thoughts from social media that I want to throw it out at you gentlemen to be able to give some feedback on these. Uh, and this is totally driven through the fan support that listen to us and watch us regularly. Um, so TJ, I'll, I'll throw this to you because you're very close, uh, closely tied to, to, to amateur rugby uh, and the academies out in California, uh, and beyond. So let me ask you, one of the comments that was brought up through uh, our fans is that Thursday nights is typically club rugby night. Your amateur rugby game, who's going to be going to practices on a Thursday, are not able to attend games like this. So are you really engaging your local rugby community by hosting a game that they don't have access to? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's like even across the world, is like Tuesdays and Thursdays is always known as as rugby training nights and things like that. That's like it's universal. But yeah, like uh, the the team that I'm coaching at the moment with Santa Monica, um, our training time because we have lack of field space. It's Los Angeles. It's very difficult. Um, the, our training time is from eight till ten. Like we're we're not going to be able to get out and go support the Giltinis at the Coliseum, make it back through the terrible traffic in Los Angeles, and make it to training and. Me as a coach, I definitely can't do it because I got to I got to prepare half an hour to an hour before every session. So yeah, I think if you look at the grand scheme of things, is yeah, we're trying to engage the rugby community, but are we really doing that? So I feel like mm-hmm. a Friday night game, yeah, probably. Like guys are able to prepare for that and they're able to like put in leave off work or get out of work early or things like that and go see that. But don't party too high because Saturday you got your game. Exactly. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's the counterpoint. Exactly. So that's what I was going to bring up. So that's a counterpoint yeah. because you have, you have four matches on Saturday and guess what? I'm going to play club rugby on a Saturday. Am I going to go watch New York play? And mm-hmm. you see, that's one of the big things in, in 2019 that I brought up to, to Rooney management at the time was 
you are banking on all the club rugby guys to come watch, and your matches are at one o'clock on a on a Saturday. Right. Same time as club why, rugby. Yeah, you yeah. wondered why the guys you, you gave yeah. them all free tickets, and you wonder why they didn't show up. Well, I, so, I agree with you there. But I think and, the thing is, though, if you're doing it both Thursday and Saturday, that's bad. I mean, it's got to yeah. be one or the other. And, right? and let's mm-hmm. let's face it. Here's the interesting thing: no other, well, save maybe hockey, no other sport has that challenge of the major sports in 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 the United States. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have men's football leagues. You know, there are some flag football right. leagues. You don't really, I mean, you might have some some hockey leagues, but those are usually played late, late at night and they yeah. get ice time. You know, um, you don't have it with really basketball or men's, you know, pickup leagues uh, on a consistent night. It's kind of an unusual phenomenon in the in the in the sporting landscape in the United States. So, um, Rob, would, would do you think it's a valid uh, complaint from from, you know, our listeners that that would be an issue? So here's the interesting thinking about it, like the game that was played um, last weekend, I think was at played at 930 at night here central. Now, the nice thing is, is like club rugby training is done by nine. The Blaze Clubhouse is open. We have TVs. It would have been a perfect opportunity after the Thursday night training. The boys go into the going to the shed. Yeah, but if it was a NOLA a match, if it's a NOLA match, it's at 730 in the middle of your practice. So uh, agreed. Agreed. I'm just saying this last weekend we'll worked out pretty well. We'll yeah. 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 You yeah. You're not going to make yeah. everybody happy, yeah. but nope. I, and also even the guys who play semi-pro football that I know, cause I know a lot of guys who play, they play their games on Saturdays anyway, because they want to watch the NFL on Sunday. So they make sure that the adults playing real football are playing on Saturdays anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, Scott, that's what we usually do. In, in... Um, oh, sorry, TJ, finish your thought. No, I was just going to say that's that's the way it goes in, in Australasia. Like on Saturday, it's like in the mornings or in, in the early afternoons, you play your club rugby. The kids who play uh, youth rugby, they're playing on Sundays. So there's there's no reason we're like missing all yeah, the pro the rugby is in the evenings. Way. Yeah. I mean, but here's the, the thing. We only start from like 3 p.m. professional games to 5 and 7. Those would be the yeah. time slots. But, and but the, MLR is pushed by the, the MLR is pushed by the fans who aren't fans of that team to watch the matches. That's the only yeah. thing. So if mm-hmm. I'm a Blues fan, I might not watch the Hurricanes, but the Hurricanes are still going to get 30,000 people watching. The Blues are still going to get 30,000 people right. watching. Yeah. MLR is, is pushing. This is why me, Rob, you know, this is why we watch all the matches and that they have them separated that way so that every fan can watch it live and get those numbers up until yeah. we're at that place. You know, having everybody at prime time is not going to work. I think. Still, still yeah. building, still building. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to throw one at you, Scott, because you spoke about this a couple of times and it is an important theme to be able to make sure we flush it out properly. It's on the basis that you were talking about attendance um, and viewership still kind of in the same realm there. So one of the uh, the fans of our show brought this up uh, in, in a chatter that it's lucky that it was a Seattle game who has a really great following and support and traditionally does better than most teams in season ticket sales. And it's only the season ticket holders that made that stadium full. Your casual fans are not going. Well, I got to be honest. I think Seattle is one of those teams that like 95% of their seating is is um, season yeah. ticket holders. I mean, so that, nearly so, I mean, 4,800 yeah. capacity, but they're about 4,000. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, but I'm saying like yeah, they're like 95 percent of their tickets are season ticket holders yeah. anyway, and they have a lot of people who transfer. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff going on in the fan group about transferring tickets from season ticket holders who couldn't go. I mean, I think it again. I think it's more of could they have picked it because they know that Seattle is going to have a big fanfare? Yes, but I also think you know maybe that's just when they could get the stadium. At you know maybe there's something going on. You know, they, I, I find it funny I that mean, people still complain. Stadium. It could have been a yeah. conflict with something else. Well, and I find it funny that people still complain that the MLR isn't the priority when they're renting out fields. Like, of course not. You know, if, if you have, if you have the local, if you have the local, yeah. you know, youth football league, that's been your, your go-to for 21 years and they're playing six games, uh, six football games a, a day on a Saturday and a Sunday. And then the MLR is coming in saying, I want to use it where, you know, are you really going to stick it to the, the people that have been renting the field you now? So it's until we build that brand again, like we just talked about until we get to that point and build that brand, we're always going to be second-class citizens on field use. Unfortunately, that's just where we are. Second-class citizens on the sports field. That's the rugby in, in America. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I like it. Uh, I'm going to go once around the table to ask you, good idea, bad idea, your final thoughts on having weeknight matches introduced on the regular for Major League Rugby moving forward. Starting with TJ, your final thought. Bad idea, guys. Just keep it on the Saturdays and Sundays for now. Try and build up your viewership as much as possible. Get as many fans out as possible. Just keep it going from there. All right. Great stuff. Scott. 
Good idea. Needs better execution. Like I said, guys coming off the bye week when we have an even amount of teams should be playing Friday match and then go from there. All right. So scheduling you think could be a big factor uh, moving forward, probably doing it. Okay, Rob. Good idea if you use the right venue that they know they're going to get the fans in the stands. If you don't, it's going to look pretty poor and come off poorly. uh, And you should stick with Saturdays and Sundays. All right, gentlemen, there you have it. That is the rant on weeknight matches. Good idea, bad idea. What are the merits behind it? What are some of the challenges that we foresee down the road? If you, as a fan, tuning in here to the Rugby Rant, enjoy what we have had to say, let us know. You can drop a comment down below. Follow us on social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Of course, we encourage you to tell us that we're full of rubbish as well and everything we say is absolute garbage. Uh, And in which case, make sure that you do it in all caps and you tag scott ferrara the big guy um the guy who got the extra point okay (laughs) yeah uh and and yes absolutely you know what it has been a good round uh and again you can continue to be able to enjoy more content just like this by going to find us on our new home at patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod if you enjoy these rants and our traditional run pass or kick interviews you're going to get even more content from both of those for only as little as three bucks you can enjoy that unseen privileged content just for our patrons on patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod for the run pass or kick oh i didn't even notice that uh that piece in, mm-hmm. in the background there mm-hmm. uh, good job there uh, rob i like it a little bit of extra uh, uh that's another point kids it's another it's another <laughs> point all right all right tj is losing is all i know she doesn't uh, always <laughs> sneaking in the last ones let's come on yeah. all right so we're going to be back in just a moment stick around we got more Welcome, Rugby Ranch fans. It's that time again. It's the RPK, the Run, Pass, or Kick interviews. And uh, this is one of our special edition interviews. Rob's very excited. Um, he's he, It's two NOLA guys, you know. Kane Thompson, Carlos Spencer here. We're going to do the RPK with both of them. We got some great questions lined up. Um, and just going over some CVs, you know, Kane, New Zealand born, a cap for Samoa, 33 caps, um, clubs he's played on, Stags. I'm a big Stags guy. Everybody knows that. Wellington, Highlanders. <laughs> Uh, Hawks Bay Chiefs, Newcastle, uh, Nola Gold, um, assistant coach right now, and then Carlos Spencer going through his CV. If you don't know Carlos Spencer, I don't, I don't think you know Southern Hemisphere rugby. I gotta be quite honest. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Auckland Blues, Northampton States, Gloucester, um, All Blacks, Maori, All Blacks, um, I mean, Barbarians, coaching the Lions, the Sharks, Eastern Province Kings, um, the Hurricanes, and now, you know, with the Nola Gold. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have you guys on the show. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thank you. Great to be here. Cheers, guys. Yeah, and, yeah. and Scott was screen, reading off my script. I'd put on there that he started as assistant coach, but now Kane is the coach, the man, <laughs> um, running the gold along with the he's – like he's like a super uh, superhero that has some great sidekicks. You know what I'm saying? So uh, with, with uh, Taylor Howden, of course, and Carlos Spencer. So it's good to have you guys on the show. And so for those of you at home that have not seen a run, pass, or kick, or what we call an RPK, it works a little like this. We're going to throw some excellent questions at Kane and Carlos, and some of them are designed for one of the two, or some of them are designed for both of them. But either way, we're going to preface each question with run, pass, or kick, and the boys are going to go ahead and indicate what they're going to do. Are they going to run with it, which means they're going to go ahead and you know run it straight up and, and answer the question? Are they going to pass it, and they might – choose to just pass in the question altogether, uh, or they might pass it to one another, or they're going to have a little fun with us, put us on the back foot, make us work for our supper a little bit here and, uh, and kick it to us. In which case um, we have to answer as if uh, in, in a way that we think they're going to answer and they can direct it towards one or the other. Uh, but if they don't indicate who they're going to have answer it, um, we'll just assume it's whoever asked the question. So gentlemen, are you ready for the run pass or kick interview? Pretty so. up here. Okay, so let's get it started here with question number one. As always, I like to let our fans or remind fans that I do a little bit of a deep dive into social media to generate our first question. And so this one is for Kane because he is the 
the man, the head coach, the guy leading the gold. Carlos obviously has a first-class CV. I mean, there's no question as to what his pedigree is coming from New Zealand, being leading the Mighty All Blacks with the 10 shirt. But he is also a social media sensation with his rugby ball trick shots. <laughs> Run passer kick cane. Was he required to perform a trick shot as a part of the interview? <laughs> um, was he required? Um, there was a video the um, that posted in uh, Nola Gold, and the only one that was required was, uh, was it the Poppy Pop ad. I think that was the one that was the trick shot that uh, got him across the line. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but um, once uh, once Fitz saw that, he was, he was signed on a dollar line straight away. <laughs> Listen, I think those those videos. The best thing about it is it gets the younger generation into rugby if they haven't seen right. it. I mean, you know, we talk about it uh, constantly how the Summer Olympics, um, Alona Mar, you know, kind of took over TikTok about rugby sevens. And, you know, it's gotten a generation of young girls into rugby, whether it's sevens or 15s or league or whatever it is. And I think that's what's going to drive uh, rugby in America, to be quite honest. Um, but we're going to go on to the next question. So this is for both of you. So respectively, each of you have representative honors internationally. Kane having 33 caps for Samoa, Carlos having 44 for New Zealand. So for this is a question for both of you, RPK. Who is the best player you played with during your careers? Um, I'll start with it. I'll run with it. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it's a question I get asked quite a bit, and it's it's a difficult question to answer. Um, you know, I think just to identify or pick one person, I suppose throughout my whole rugby career, especially as being an All Black, is is a very difficult one because you know I've been blessed to play with so many good players, you know. And I, I suppose I come through a couple of eras where, you know, I come into the side in the early nineties or the mid nineties, and I had guys like the Brooks, you know, the Bunces, the Littles, yeah, and then out of that generation into another generation where we sort of got. You know, the Sammy Turpos, the Doug Howlett's, the Joe Rockefokos, and it was a new breed, you know. So, and they were both two different areas, you know what I mean? Was, um, and, you know, I suppose for me, just to choose one is, is bloody difficult, but, you know, there's a few names that probably popped to mind. Zinzan Brook was one of them. Um, I suppose in an era where he would have been awesome in the modern day game, just in terms yeah. of his outright skill, his physicality. Um, you know, he could pass off both hands. He could almost drop kick off both feet, you know. So a number eight to have skill like he did back in those days was pretty much unheard of. Um, you know, so he's he's probably one that I enjoyed playing with and I thought just in terms of his ability and his physicality uh, was good. And you've got players like Jonah Loma as well, you know, just someone who could just cause damage on on attack, um, someone you could just rely on to get your game line, get your line breaks. Um, then another guy that comes to mind is a guy like Doug Hallett. You know, for me, it was just absolutely tremendous in terms of giving me options on attack. You know, you just turn up when you least expect it um, to provide your options. His work rate off the ball was tremendous. Um, you know, once again, his skill, his athleticism, his pace, um, so for me, it's, it's a few of them, and I could probably name another handful, you know. So it's, it's difficult to identify one, but, you know, that's some of the names that stick out for me. Those are pretty solid. Kane, how about yourself? Yeah, I'll, I'll run with that. Um, I was lucky enough to come through, come through Wellington at a time where uh, the big man Jonah was in the team. Yeah, Christian Cullen, Sana Umanga, Jerry Collins. Um, but sort of moving on my career, I didn't, I didn't get to play too much in – in that era, so I was just one of the young boys holding a bag most of the time. Um, Liam Messam at the Chiefs, I think he was just an inspiration to to the team. Yeah, just a, just as tough as they get. Um, but probably the player that I think had everything all round the skill would be Isaiah Tuiava. Um, just a freak, could do everything: um, run, pass, kick, tackle. And I suppose, in, in sort of a way, it sort of cost him a little bit because he was so good he could play. 10 to 15 and never really settled into into one position for the All Blacks. But I think he's still the youngest ever All Blacks, youngest ever player to play for the All Blacks. So that just sort of shows the talent that he had. That he was he was a great player to play with. 
Absolutely. Uh, and those are some stellar names out of, uh, from both of you guys. It, it, it's amazing to think back of when each of you played just the quality of talent that oozes. I mean, not that it doesn't now, but those are some legendary names. And of course, both of you guys are legendary in your own right, uh, having played internationally for your country. I'm going to move forward and focus for just a moment on Carlos um, because, you know, while Kane, for those who don't know, Kane has been a stalwart part of the NOLA Gold since 2018, both as a player, as an assistant coach, and now uh, the man uh, steering the ship. So I want to talk for a moment about uh, Carlos. Carlos, we know that Kane has been a fixture at NOLA, as I mentioned, for many years, both as a player and a coach. Carlos, for those that don't know, has coached in New Zealand, South Africa, and Japan. But run, pass, or kick, how did your move to the NOLA Gold come about? Um, it was yeah, through an agent uh, that I know, and obviously our mate over here fits, you know, and um, I suppose to cut a long story short, we ended up having a phone call with Fitz, you know, and um, mate, it was an awesome discussion. And, you know, I, I think it's thanks to him, the reason why I'm here, you know, after our conversation or during that conversation, I could get the feeling straight away that the passion that he had um, for this team, uh, first of all, and just in terms of, you know, the drive he had, and then just he sold me the I suppose not the dream, but the um, yeah. I'm trying to look for the word, but um, yeah, just sold me everything that I wanted to hear about a, a rugby club, and you know I got a positive um, outcome after that um, conversation with with Fitz, and you know I had a good chat with my wife and told her all about the conversation, and you know I got good vibes straight away after I'd spoken to him. Um, so it's it's really thanks to Fitz while I'm here. Um, but it's also, I suppose, for me, probably another challenge or a different challenge for me um, in terms of the MLR. Um, I think there's potential here in terms of where this game can go and where it's heading. Um, so that was obviously another reason as well. And I thought, you know, it'd just be great to be a part of. And I suppose if anything happens further down, down the track, then I think it's, um, you know, a good opportunity moving forward. You know what? I, I think that's yeah, and I think that's one of the things. If anybody, any fan out there has a has a conversation with Fitz, if you don't go away from that conversation feeling a little happy, uh, you didn't have a good conversation with him. I mean, generally he can he's no, he's always he's always upbeat. That's the one thing about Fitz. He's always upbeat. He's always has that energy about him, and he, and he kind of transfers that to you. Um, last time I saw him was before the uh, Rooney match last year. I mean, we're talking. You know, ten minutes before match time, he came up to say hello to me. You know, because because he knew I was in the building, and, and he made that. You know, he wanted to say hello because we speak. You know, often online and stuff, and again, just always excited and bubbly, and it's great. So, um, all due to the guys. Yeah, it's definitely something. Mountain Dew and, and all the caffeine pills he used. To <laughs> yeah. years of I think it just again, that's that's the kind of mood he's always in. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, the next one is uh, is actually for Kane. So Kane, obviously, you played for and worked with Nate Osborne just prior to be, um, being named the head coach of Nola Gold. Interestingly, you were announced as a head coach prior to any official announcement regarding the departure of Nate Osborne. Run, pass, or kick? Was this awkward, or was this something that everybody was involved in the planning in terms of making the, the timing of the announcement? <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. Um, was Nate done a great job for the club. He's, he's a massive <laughs> part of uh, – the Nola Gold Rugby Football Club, and it was a you know surprise, a surprise for me um, to step into this role. Um, Nate, Nate being a good friend and um, done so much for this club, but I, I embraced it and I've sort of run with it and, and, and enjoyed every and every moment of it. And and so, like Nate's, Nate's always going to be a massive part of this club, but uh, moving forward uh, um, with the new coaching staff, it's it's been great. Hey, listen, that that's what that's that's sport, man. That's professional right. sports, you know. Uh head coaches and you know, presidents, GMs, CEOs, they come and go, and you just gotta move with the flow on the next uh iteration of, of head coaching. And, yeah, it's uh, all about building on that, I suppose. Just gotta build on the foundation we've right. created here, and um that, that's what we're trying to do here at the moment. Yeah, put your stamp, put your mark on on the gold in your own right. That's what we're looking forward to, especially as as a gold fan here. Um, next one is for Carlos. We're going to, we're going to lighten it up a little bit, Carlos, no pressure here. 
So run past your kick, Carlos. <clears throat> Has Kane taken you to enjoy some authentic Creole food yet? Um, no, he hasn't yet. No, <laughs> no. I haven't. I've, I actually have no idea what you're talking about right now. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to get educated, mate, on Creole food. It's the. It's okay. the it is the uh, rock of of the cuisine down in New Orleans. Just it's, explain it's, a bit more to me about what, what is it actually? What sort of food is it? Well, it, it depends on what you want. I mean, they have the gumbo, they have the, the crawfish fry, they got the fish oh, fries. Yeah, po' boy sandwiches. I mean, it's just ah, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard about. I've definitely heard about the crawfish etouffee, yeah, and, and it's um, all hot. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. They love their spice, so get ready yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. Have have some have plenty of toilet paper on hand, and make sure you're <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're close to the thunderbox your first time because when you, yeah. when you get christened, <laughs> nice. you'll know it the next day. Uh, a lot of beer. You got to drink a lot of beer when you eat. <laughs> That's like that's like number two, the number two rule: drink a lot of beer. Oh, when you have the crawfish, you have to suck the heads. You can't just yeah. eat the tails. I've got no problem with that. See, Kane knows. Yeah, they're they're perfect. Yep. Kane knows when it comes to stuff like that, mate. I eat everything. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, before we hop to, uh, well, actually, we're not doing a quick tap, guys. So you're gonna be uh, you're you're gonna be intrigued on what we're gonna do next. But before we uh, hop to the next portion of our interview, um, we're gonna take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Viator. 